0: Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Caged In podcast, where normally I go film by film through the career of Nicolas Cage. However, this is part of the Caged In Conversations series, and this week I'm happy to announce I'm speaking to the writer of the film that came out today. You can rent it, you can buy it, and if you are going to rent it, be sure in some way to help a local cinema. If you kind of look online, and I'll drop some in the show notes, there's plenty of companies who are doing it, so if you rent it through their cinema, it helps those guys stay afloat, and I think that's something we all need to do at the moment, but I'm speaking to G.O. Parsons. This was a great Chat Geo can talk. he's an amazing raconteur. unfortunately, in this conversation, the zoom audio went a bit haywire, I lost about four minutes of the conversation I had with Geo. However, in you'll hear it when you listen to it, I've tried to not recreate as such, but I've tried to remember as best as I can the story in which Gio was telling me. So hopefully that comes across. Don't worry as well if you haven't seen the film yet. You can still very much listen to this conversation. However, if you do want some spoiler-filled chat, you can head on over to Patreon, where for as little as £3 a month, you can get access to this spoiler build chat i had with geo about this film as well as plenty of other bonus material for a lot of previous other episodes and there's going to be plenty to come in the future with all of that out of the way there's only one thing left to do and that's to get raging with cage celebrate the release of wonderland i'm joined by the man responsible for pitting nicholas cage's janitor against a group of demonic animatronics i'm thrilled to be joined by geo parsons how are you geo
1: good and i'm thrilled to be here and uh, one of the things that i wanted to say is to thank you uh to thank your audience to thank all the nick cage uh fans out there because uh, there would not be the kind of uh, hype for this movie without you guys, without your support, without even seeing a frame of it, you know, before it even, when it when it was first announced and it was this just kind of weird, crazy thing, there were so many people that were so supportive of it, you being one of them, uh, your audience being another uh, big, huge part. So uh, you guys, listen, before we even start, you can ask me anything you want, but let me say thank you. Thank you, guys. I very much appreciate it.
0: Well, first of all, before we get into, yeah, how... How this film came about i want to say i've watched the film now twice we were talking uh, off air for a moment ago and there's not a lot of films i tend to watch twice let alone in the space of two weeks and i had so much fun uh, w- <laughs> with this film and so where did the inception of this really start for you like the, i know the script's kind of been kicking about for a while but w- where did the germ of the idea come from <laughs> So,
1: uh, really, 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 really long time ago, (laughs) I had moved to Los Angeles and I was working as hard as I could to try and become, uh, you know, an actor. I wanted to be a movie star. That was my goal. And I worked so hard at it and it didn't really go anywhere.
0: In this section is the one that I mentioned in the intro, the Zoom just decided to glitch out and... A good four minutes of audio is just lost to the annals of time. And apart from me going back to Gio and saying, hey, can you just retell that story? That's a bit too awkward for me. I thought I would do my very best to kind of recreate that story for the best of my knowledge. And it goes as such that Gio was struggling as an actor not struggling but like working hard as he said working very hard at being an actor he was in acting class he was performing a lot of the time uh, he said he'd write his own scenes just because it's he just imagined stuff out of films that he would he would love to see and just creating these yeah these scenes people were really responding to him so in over time he decided to put on some plays and he would do them over multiple evenings, get the cast together. But one of the things they noticed was that there was only, like, uh, it was patchy crowds a lot of the time. Like, you, you'd get a few people each night and stuff like that until one night somebody suggested to him, "Or how about you just do these plays one night? Just one night, then you'll have a packed-out, sellout." crowd if you just do them for one night as opposed to just all the people who are coming throughout the month are all coming for that one night and then that brings us up to where the audio comes back now.
1: You're having a good time but they only exist as long as the play does as soon as the play is over there's only a hundred people here and half of them aren't going to remember what happened you know Mm -hmm. if you want to somewhere you're gonna have to make a movie and so now i had a new problem I never <laughs> made a movie before but i had seen a lot of people on instagram or on indiegogo and on kickstarter and these kind of fund your own movies having a lot of success people yeah. make like forty thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars and i thought wow i could i could do that i gotta just think of something that It's got to be a horror movie. Then I got one location because I was so used to doing the plays. Yeah, yeah. uh, I always had to pit it in one location. So, okay, we'll just make it one location. That'll be easy. And I don't think I'm going to have that many actors or that many moving parts. So I'll just have like maybe one role. And then I got to think, like, it'd be really funny if the evil villains in the horror movie messed with the wrong person (laughs) and he just absolutely cleaned their clocks. That would be a great movie. <laughs> See, I had always grown up watching these B movies where the bad guy kind of held court against everybody else. Like nobody would ever touch him. You know, everyone always runs scared. But a side note, I had a friend who used to play in the NFL and the Football League. And he, at the time, was huge when he played. He was like 310 pounds, six foot four, is just an absolute wall. And one day he's driving his car down the road and this guy, he, I think he cut somebody off. So this guy <laughs> rightly honks out of him, honks at him and then pulls over and goes, pull your car over, pull your car over, put up your dukes. So my friend who's six foot four, 310 pounds happily obliges and he, they both pull their cars over. I'm not recommending every, anyone do this ever. This guy who's so upset gets out of the car. All right, come at me. And my friend gets out of the car and is just this colossal dude. <laughs> and the guy who threatened him to fight just ah, turns the other way and just starts booking it back to his car, gets in his car, speeds away as fast as he can as my friend's chasing after him. So that was kind of like one of the things that sit in my mind is like, maybe these bad guys, they meet with, a, they, they, they mess with the wrong person. All right. So I got the idea kind of set, but how am I going to, you know, set it all up? Um, and I think uh, in uh, outside Reno, Nevada called Boomtown, which was a casino, but it also had um, an amusement park.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and I used to go there for my birthday all the time when I was growing up because I'm from Lake Tahoe. And they had games and different animatronics and things like that. So that's where I kind of got the impetus of like, what if those were evil and somebody had to do that stuff? So that's where the, the, the movie idea comes in. So I got the movie. Boom. I know what I'm doing. I write it. I write this whole movie. And then I go on Indiegogo to pitch the uh, film and the person that contributed the most was basically me. I kept, <laughs> I kept <laughs> anonymous, anonymously contributing to my own project. To, Come on guys, look at, I'm so close to the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the time it was over, I had raised, you know, mostly my money and about 1500 bucks. But with that $1,500, I had enough to shoot a short film. So What I did was I took that money and I used it on some props and I used it to create a uh, animatronic mask and I used it to create like a, a, it was called Wally's Wonderland at the time, a Wally's Wonderland sign. And so my wife and I and my friends, we went out to uh, my friend Manny's garage in Upland, California, and we kind of designed it and we shot that first scene which is in the trailer. Everybody kind of knows it now. It's where the janitor's like mopping up, and then Ozzy attacks him, and then yeah. he just <laughs> beats beats Ozzy to death. <laughs> and so I had used a different animatronic in the short, but um, I filmed that scene, and then it's like, okay, well now I have a script, and I have something that people can like see the idea of it because it's one thing to try and get somebody to read a script it's incredibly difficult but if you can show them just 30 seconds everybody has 30 seconds to just click on something and get the idea of it so I started sending that out to as many people as I could just randomly as anybody that was connected to movies or entertainment or whatever boom I'm just sending them blind emails and I'm saying I have a great idea would you take a look I have a great idea would you take a look and I sent this out to hundreds and hundreds of people and did not get any replies except from one lady. Her name was Kaylee Marsh and she ran something called the blood list, which is like, they talk about this in screenwriting. It's the blacklist. It's like the best unproduced horror yeah. movies. She ran the blood list, the best unproduced, uh, I should, I said, the blacklist is best unproduced movies. The blood list is the best unproduced horror, horror movies. Yeah, exactly. So she sees it and she's like, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. Could you send me the script? So I send her the script. She reads it. She's like, this is pretty good. I'm going to put it on my website and hopefully, you know, you can make something happen with it. So I start sending out to the same 150,000 people. Hey, look, I'm on the bloodlust. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Trying to get somebody's attention. And I'm not getting nearly as much uh, attention as I thought I would. I really thought, oh, this is the turning point. What
0: would this have been? what's that this is well,
1: uh this is this is over the pro- th- we we're, we're talking about almost a decade at this point, but this is well, around two thousand and uh sh- the end of two thousand and seventeen I'd say when I was doing the the bloodless stuff um now, I have a friend who is a casting director and she's a big time casting director she she if people don't know what that is, those are the people that uh get the movie stars number one attached to the yep. to a film. And then they also uh, cast all the smaller roles. Well, she's really well-connected, and she loves the script. And she's like, hey, I know you made this with the intention of you making your first movie and, you know, you being in it and all this kind of stuff. That's awesome. But may I pitch you the idea of if you got a movie star to be in this thing, you might have something special here because it is a great script, and somebody's going to want to do it, and you can make, you know, this – go from like a, a rinky-dink Geo Parsons production to an actual thing. And I said, okay. So we kind of discussed, she'd come up, she had come up, we went to lunch one day, she came up with a big, huge list of people like they could be the janitor. And it really you know, I said to her, I was like, listen, I, I don't want it to be just somebody. And when I mean somebody, I mean like, you know, there are actors that are uberly successful, but they're maybe younger, or maybe you've seen them in this or that, but why would I give up something I've worked so hard on unless it was somebody that was out of this world spectacular? <laughs> She's like, well, the only person that's out of this world spectacular is, you know, Nicholas. And I said, well, Let's give it a shot. <laughs> so now we get to the point where everybody should know: you don't just knock on Nicolas Cage's door, all right? You don't just like it. Just it's not something that like he's not just sitting there waiting for me to show up and hand him his script. There's a wall and there's a, a huge bunch of sentries out there to make sure people like me <laughs> stay afar, as far away from him as possible. But Venus had the connections to be able to get past security. And she did that. She went out on a limb for me and everybody involved at that point. And she she uh, uh, called up his manager, a man named Mike Nylon, who's also a, a production partner and a producer of the film, yeah. and one of the best men I've ever met. Mike uh, uh, was interested because because it was coming from Venus, and she's you know she was like, "I just it's something that you should take a look at." And you guys got to remember, he's getting scripts from. The, the best directors in the world and the best writers in the world, they're sending him stuff all the time. And usually it takes Michael a while to get through all this stuff, but for whatever reason, the stars aligned and he was given it on a Friday and he read it on a Friday and was like, this is really cool. And I think <laughs> it could be something special. So I'm going to give it to Nicholas Cage. So Nicholas Cage is reading it that weekend. And I'm thinking, like we started at one in a billion odds of this thing happening. Now we're at one in. And so I just kind of sat on edge all weekend. And Monday morning, I think it was like eleven o'clock, I get this phone call he's in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. All of a sudden, you know, it's gone from this journey of like, no, 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 no. You can't do, you can't do it. You can't do it too. Like of all people coming like from the heavens to rescue you, it's Nicholas Cage. He's like, give me your hand. We're going to do something special. Wow. So now we got him involved and that was the impetus of how he got involved in the project. It was like all this hard work that I had put into it, Getting it to the right person, getting it to him, and him recognizing what a million other people didn't, that this was something very special. And that's a huge credit to him
0: as a person and as an artist. So, yeah, obviously his production company, Saturn Films, is one of the producers, uh, like, yeah, one of the companies that produces this film, as well as Adam Rifkin, who Nicolas Cage turns up for like, uh, well, now on the internet it's like a crazy cameo in uh, adam rifkin's never on tuesday from like so when like yeah when cage came into the like into the fray and onto the production did things change slightly or is kind of like the film we see up on the screen is that is that kind of what was on the page or was there kind of some adjustments made once uh, nick was on board
1: Sure. Well yeah, I'm happy to answer that. So there's there there's the answer to that question is once so once Nicolas Cage is involved, it's still a long road mm-hmm. because just because he's involved. It doesn't necessarily mean the the film's going to get off yeah. the ground because you still have to be able to find funding to make the movie. So people, a lot of people think, ah, oh, you got Nicolas Cage, let's go shoot this yeah, thing. Yeah. No, you got all have you have a, a, a you have a, a huge amount of funding that needs to be done and a huge amount of red tape that has to be gotten through, and so you have to put together a team of people that can get the job done. Uh, Adam Rifkin being an executive producer on, it was one of those people along with a lot of uh, others who worked very hard in order to get it from Nicholas Cage is attached to the movie's going to be released February 12th. So what happened was a couple of things, as far as the movie changing, they, they the we were going from place to place at uh, trying to get funding. And a lot of people would uh, that we didn't end up working with would be like, you have to change this. You should change that. You should rewrite this. You should totally do this differently. This movie will never work. This could never happen. Why isn't he running scared of the animatronics? Nicolas Cage did one of the nicest things that's ever happened in the hu- history of human history for myself. And he said, listen, you guys can make that movie, but I'm not going to be involved. I'm doing Geo's movie. It was so cool. Well,
0: I, I, I guess one of the things that uh, I, I'd imagine, especially executives and like studio saying is to have nick cage in a movie and for him not to talk would be a big one like he's a totally silent character and something you don't tend to see in this this day and age really
1: yeah well everybody wants him to do what he's famous for uh like mom and dad pick up a sledgehammer, sing the hokey pokey and (laughs) smash that pool table to bits gosh i'd love that (laughs) you know but he saw the opportunity not to speak as an acting challenge. Mm -hmm. Think of it like uh, just from when I did the short. It was very difficult because the janitor is not like a a robot. He has emotions and he has feelings and he can laugh and he can smile. He can do all sorts of things. But to be able to get that across the, uh, the frame with just a look or just your eyes or just a smile or a smirk, that's very difficult. Yeah. It's an extremely difficult acting challenge. And I, and it's something that he's done, what, hundreds of movies, a hundred movies, hundred, I don't know what it's counted. It's almost a hundred. Yeah. Maybe this is his hundredth. That would be cool <laughs> if it was. But in all of those movies, you know, he has dialogue, he has lines, he has things that he's saying or crazy monologues that he's doing. And this one, he didn't have that stuff. So if you're, final battle, like uh, Willie and the janitor about to square off and he like puts up his fist and he's like, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I thought it was really funny, but then the more I thought about it, it just became a little bit too cliche. So I was like, ah, cut it. No, we will not going to have it. But, it, you know, he was pitched the idea of like, say something, say something, maybe. And even I was like, yeah, maybe say one line. But to his credit, he was like, I'm happy saying nothing. Let's keep it that way. And that's the way we kept it.
0: So, like, from watching the film, you obviously get, like, there's there's shades of, whether it's Evil Dead, like, with the kind of, the the character of the janitor, very much is, and it it plays a lot like uh, Evil Dead 2 as well, with that kind of, um, I don't know, slapstick, like, comedy to it, and, obviously, it's silent performance you get from Bruce Campbell in that film. And um, so, when writing the script, were there kind of things that were baked in, influence wise whether it's films or anything like that or was it kind of just like i've got this crazy idea i've, I've made this like short and it's and, and and obviously there's that whole thing that i'm sure you've seen it it's kind of you can't really throw uh like click two clicks on, online when you type in willie's wonderland to see some comparison to uh five nights at freddy like how does that how does that kind of I know, I know that's kind of two questions in one, but like, yeah, let's go with the. Yeah, how does that make you feel about that kind of comparison? Is it kind of like, we, w- shit? Were you aware of Five Nights at Freddy before, like, before, like, kind of the ball started rolling, basically?
1: Um, well, because of those plays that I was doing was kind of like a, around the 2010. So when I had come up with the idea, Five Nights at Freddy's was either in its infancy or, or, or hadn't come up. It com- came out yet. Um, but when people compare it to that, it's, it's, you know, it's obvious because it's the most easy comparison because for the last like five or 10 years, yeah, it's absolutely dominated that market. I had always thought it as more of an homage to those B movies yeah. in the 80s and the 90s. Because that's the one; those are the ones that I always dug. Here, when I was in high school, like I would like put on one of those. I would like like my girlfriend in high school over, and I'd put on one of those B movies because it was so cheesy and bad that you'd like halfway through just like ah, let's shut this thing off and let's just make it out. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like the idea um, that always inspired me with making. Uh, that kind of a movie. It, it was just kind of an absurdity to the whole yeah. entire thing. And animatronics coming alive and talking trash and then getting their, their asses handed to them was kind of fun. Um, as far as like, the, like how, how the slapstick and the comedy of it, there's a very fine line to walk because if it's too broad, the movie doesn't work. And if it's, if it's too serious the movie doesn't work. If they, if you wink at the camera or you make some sort of joke about it, then it becomes like a horror comedy, like its own kind of genre. And it's, that's not what it is. I think what works about it is everybody has to, what, what makes it scary, what makes it adventurous and what makes it funny is everybody takes it serious. Uh, it was a very fine line to walk, very difficult to pull off, but I think we nailed it.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. There's like, um, as I said uh, like other, other films that kind of come to mind is I think it's uh from reading like Kevin Lewis said, one of the things that like inspired him for the like, the visual look of it was Killer Clowns Out of Space and you fight very much get that kind of uh feel and like vibe to it. Uh so yeah, I, I, like were like not were you upset but like what like what would have would you have loved like now looking back on the film, are you like I wish I would have played the janitor, or is the film perfect as it is?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, because here's why. If I had played that role, it would have just been a movie that either was never made, or if it was, it would not be nearly as successful as uh, it can be. I, I compare it to, you know, I play basketball, and if I was, uh, I, I'm on a rec league basketball team. Yeah, I love playing. But if uh, Michael Jordan walked into the the arena and was like, "Hey, man, I I I, I want to take your position," I would be uh, more than ecstatic to have like the greatest of all time take the position and just go win the game Mm -hmm. for us and that's basically what it was like you know here you have an actor who is basically i don't know it's hard because acting is so like objective people can have their favorites and stuff but Nicolas cage is undoubtedly one of the greatest of all time and if there was a hollywood you know hall of fame the guy would be a first ballot inductee (laughs) for sure for, for work that he has done back in the 80s, he could have been a Hall of Famer. In the 90s, a Hall of Famer. We're 2021, and the dude is still working as hard as he can and being the best artist as he can. So am I upset that Nicolas Cage took my role? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking awesome. <laughs> There'll be other ones. There'll be other stuff. But could you – hear A plus nothing equaled zero mm-hmm. at the time. A – plus B, which was Nicolas Cage. So, Willy's Wonderland plus Nicolas Cage equals C, which is the movie that we're all going to see February 12th. It couldn't have... I've talked about it in this podcast. I had to thread... I say I, everybody involved had to thread so many needles and get, you know, stars to line up. And if you go back and think about the odds of all this stuff, it's nearly impossible. But it all worked out. And then we got, you know... Nicolas Cage is the janitor Willie is like the ultimate villain Um, A weekend coming up Where it's Every and Unfortunately, we're all locked down, but this thing gets broadcast right to your home. So you get to see it right there in your home. It's in America. We have a uh, president's day on the 15th. So it's a long weekend. So it's the 12th, the 13th Valentine's day is <laughs> a 14th. I just told everybody the story of how I, I got bad. I got uh, high school girlfriends to come over and make out with me because the movies were so <laughs> silly. They had nothing else to do. So it all kind of like the universe all came around and it was like, Hey. Like this is going to be something special and fun and work out for you, and all the all the hardship that you had to endure, it, it, it ends here. It's you know, it's like the best of the best possible outcome. It's the best possible gift, and I'm incredibly lucky it happened.
0: Perfect. So, um, like one of the things I wanted to ask about the like the script and obviously like the the pros the process of it and stuff like that is: Did you ever write a backstory to the janitor? Was there ever like anything? kind of that you had there for Nick or whoever were to play the janitor to be like this is where he came from this is my where he might be going or was it the the the, this guy is in this situation at this time and that's it
1: but no, there was never any backstory. I, I, as the person that created it, had a backstory in my head of what he could be. And Nicolas Cage, as the person who brought the character to life, had a backstory mm-hmm. of what this person could be. But he and I were in utter agreement that nobody should ever know that yeah. stuff, because it takes away some of the 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 allure of Willy's Wonderland. If you knew the janitor was this or that or this or that, um. <laughs> I, I, you know, here's what I'll say to anybody listening if they want just a little bit of backstory, a little bit of, uh, you know, he's in my mind, he's he's driving through he's on. It it looks a little different because we filmed in Atlanta, but I had set the movie in um, uh, Nevada and he's driving through Highway 50, which is like the loneliest highway in America. And he's trying to get to Reno because he's going to meet like a girlfriend there and have a fun night at the casino. That was kind of like. The, the, the reason that was kind of like my backstory for him. So if you mm-hmm. want just a little bit of backstory of where this guy could do, could be, that's where it was. And the reason that that's the backstory, everybody is because I was listening to uh, a music video for the killers called shot at the night that takes place. They're from Las Vegas. Uh, I grew up on, uh, on the border, of Nevada, uh, and that music video, it's like, these kids run around having a fun time gambling. And I was like, hmm, maybe he's just driving to Vegas to have a good time and, or, or to Reno to have a good time. And then, you know, he runs into this stuff, but I, I Nicholas Cage and I were both in agreement that if you gave it more than, you know, he, he, he was once a super soldier or he was once this, or he's going back to get revenge. Like it just takes away from the whole entire thing. Part of the experience is just a guy that shows up to do his job and then gets on with his life
0: yeah definitely and uh, like i kind of like for me there's obviously this idea that he's like the man with no name like the 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 classic clint eastwood character and that you could see very much like the many different adventures of the janitor whether it's like whether it's a totally new thing like he's not up against animatronics or anything like that it's like and and we'll we'll possibly touch on it a bit later in the podcast but obviously there is um the way this film is left, like it's it's, it's open ended. Things, things uh, could go into weird and wonderful places. And um, one thing I have to ask, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this: Is does a Willy's Wonderland pinball machine actually exist? I know, I know, you told me off mic that when it came to production of of the film. That's kind of you had you'd kind of stepped away from it and kind of left it to to Kevin and those guys to film it. But do you know if that pinball machine actually physically exists?
1: It does exist. (laughs) Somebody has it somewhere or somewhere. Okay. Aside here's here's one of the fun here's a fun Nicolas Cage story that I can tell everybody. This this was this is just one of those universal things. I did not know he was going to be in the movie when uh, I wrote this. Obviously, you guys heard the story. When I was in college, I went to UCLA, and at UCLA in Westwood, which is like the college town, there was this arcade. And everybody from college-age kids to high school kids would go to the arcade and just have a good time. This is like circa 2002 be my guess. I was at that arcade with my friend Paul, and we were playing – a game of virtual tennis, which was like, there was a big, huge screen and you're on the arcade and you're playing it. And, and what would happen is kids would, um, uh, put down 50 cents. So if you lost, whoever put down 50 cents was next up. Well, I had won and I remember somebody putting down 50 cents and I look over to my right and there's the man himself, Nicholas Cage. He had come to the arcade with his son oh, just to have fun. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, here I am like a uh, 20 years old squaring off against cage and <laughs> a, ten- a thing of virtual tennis. And it was always such a fun story that had happened to me that there is a point in Willy's Wonderland where they're in the arcade or they're, you know, he is playing games. And I kind of put that as an homage to this crazy thing that happened to me 20 years ago. And, just so happens that, again, universe kind of circled around and put the man himself in it. And then I reminded him about that, you know, back, back before the thing started, he didn't remember at all.
0: <laughs> that, that always, that always uh, ends up being the way. In this part of the conversation, I asked Gio about the potential for any sequels within the Willy's Wonderland universe. However, the question I posed kind of has a spoiler in the question. However, the answer that Gio gives is spoiler-free. So I thought I'd clip out my question and just give you the answer, because I think it's a really great thing. As I said, if you want the full spoiler chat, head on over to Patreon. Is there any thought been put into that, or is it kind of a one-and-done, that's it for you?
1: There's absolute thought put into it. I think that in life you have to be able to be ready for uh, anything. Mm -hmm. And so if I hadn't of, you know, if I had just written it and thought like, well, I don't know what's going to happen next. Well, there's like probably a million people out there that do want to see what happens next. So figure it out. So one of the things I thought of was just different adventures or different things that they could be part of. And so I, I thought long and hard about all that kind of stuff. And then I, I got, the perfect idea, and just locked it away in my brain, and uh, try and do as best as I can to keep it locked away. And <laughs> hopefully, there'll be a um, a surge of people that want more adventures and want to see the janitor again and want to make something like that happen. And um, let's let's certain, certainly the door is open and. Uh, you, you, the, the thing is, is like, you can only tell the joke once, you know, now you got to figure out a way to make it uh, a little bit different, a little bit new. So that was kind of, I guess that was one of the tricks to it. Once like once you see the joke once, or once you see, once you see behind the curtain and you know, the magic trick, well, then you got to think of something better. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this idea is.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. As I, <laughs> I kind of said earlier in the conversation it's the character of the janitor almost seems like he could be like, plonked into a different like almost another situation it, like something completely different like totally. the, and and you would kind of be there for it and there's because he's got the mystique he's this as i said he's he could ride into another town like the the man with no name like like you kind of have the what is it um a fistful full of dollars a few dollars more and the good the bad and the ugly and it's like they're a trilogy but at the same time they're not do you know what I mean right. like they're just standalone films and um i know as a fan as somebody who's seen the film that like yeah i'd, I'd love to see the further further adventures of uh, of the janitor so we start to wrap uh, the conversation up and wind things down uh one of the things i really really wanted to talk to you about was just this amazing fan response to the film and the kind of like everything that's happened afterwards and one of the things is Willie's Wednesdays. These mm-hmm. these amazing like submissions you've got from people, amazing artists and people like doing their interpretations of the animatronics or the janitor. Like, how did that? How did that whole idea come about?
1: Yeah, uh, it was the art. I you know, it's not something that I fostered. I did. I never said, "Hey, send me mm-hmm. um art." You know, I never. I never. I didn't ask for anything. It's it's these amazing. Um, I say kids and adults, it's these amazing kids and adults who want to express their creativity through, uh, Willie's Wonderland art. Here's the thing that I think is so special is that everybody's kind of isolated and, you, you know, a lot of people aren't going to school. They're not seeing their friends. They're having a hard time connecting. And I know that there's a lot of kids out there that have a, a, a just a hard time connecting with people, just in, 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 let's, you know, I'll say in real life or whatever. But when they put out their artwork, you know, whether it's Willie or Gus or Siren Sarah or the janitor, the, all of a sudden they have this whole community of people who they've never met in real life that is encouraging them. They're saying, this is amazing. This is great. You are a talented human being that that you have something special here. Whether it's just somebody that's first starting out, that's like, you know, six years old and he's just drawing a stick figure janitor, or if it's somebody that's 14 years old and he's really coming into their talent and can do some sort of amazingly in-depth um, piece of artwork that looks like they were commissioned for thousands of dollars to do. What makes me so happy is that, The response from all these people is to not like try and put theirs above somebody else's or to bring somebody else down. I've been doing these Willy Wednesdays on my Instagram page where I put out as much artwork as I can just in my stories. I have never once seen in the comments a negative comment about somebody's artwork. It is always 100% positive. It is always, this is great. Let me do mine. And then that person responds, this is amazing. You should do more. And it's built this whole entire community of kids and artists that just want to make something fun and take these characters to different places that I never imagined them going. Uh, There's, there's, there's people out there that are writing their own fan fiction about it. that are you know, just awesome, awesome stories making um, their own animation stories where they and their friends go into Willy's Wonderland and they, they, they have battles against the animatronics. Uh, uh, different kind of comics where the animatronics are good guys and the janitor is mean. You know, there's all this kind of fun stuff that's blossomed from it. And what I would say to all those kids is take that energy and take all the kind of artistic work that you're doing and start branching out into your own adventures. It's great that you're using Willie's characters, but let that just be a starting point for your own artistic creativity let it be the, the key that opens the door to your own artistic world so you can make more stories and you can make more artwork and you can take that community that you've built off of the Willy's Wonderland animatronics and, and, and uh, kind of fulfill the dreams that you want to do. So that's, I mean, that's I, more so than the movie. I think the movie is awesome. And of course I love it, but I, I, that's something that's just really special to me is all those kids that work so hard and all those adults too, that do the amazing artwork and put it together based on this kind of like silly idea I had. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and like, it's amazing to see just as a fan. So I can only imagine what it's like, and especially as a film that like, it's not even like, it's, it's out now. But like the day yeah. this is released, it's it's out now and people are going off of some of them stills or like, do you know what I mean? Like, back, like kind of behind the scenes or, or not even that, just kind of character idea designs and stuff like that. And it's been going on for months and months and months. So for you, that must be just like absolutely, I can only imagine just mind blowing to just see that kind of. Support for something, as you said, which is a, a, a silly, like what you see is a, like kind of a not a throwaway idea, but something that you just came up with, and you're like, wow, wow, these yeah. people are into this. It's cool. <laughs> it it
1: it is it is cool, and uh it, 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 just to to inspire a thousand pieces of artwork, it's a win right there. And to to have the other thing that a lot of kids did was they went and they read the script. Um, they just found it online, you know, the leaked scripts of it and they went, sat down and they read like a 90 page script. And I think that that's important. If you're an artist, if you're a filmmaker, you want to see how it, it, like you, like, like you're talking about, there's things that happen in the script that don't necessarily happen in the movie mm-hmm. and how that changes and why that changes. Um, and then in your own mind, you can kind of imagine the whole thing. And then when you see it live happen, you know, it's just kind of like one of the, it's it's it's, spe- it's special and it's, it's something that does not happen with every single movie. It, it, it just doesn't happen even with I, I you know, I 50 years ago, Star Wars came out. I don't think they were drawing X wings before the thing came out. You know, um, it's just something special. I got really lucky. And I'm if anybody's listening, and they, they hear my voice and you've done one of those artworks. I try and like all of them and I try and respect or, you know, respect your time by saying thank you because pff, it's fantastic stuff
0: amazing I, I may, yeah it's again like it's, it's 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 a beautiful thing to see and it's I, I feel like in a weird way a part of this willy's willy's wonderland no you are yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. You, you definitely <laughs> are because
1: like i was saying to you the, 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 one of the reasons i'm on your podcast is like you have to um you have to uh respect the people who believed in you from the start when when all the before even all those stills went out i think you hit me up and said hey your idea sounds fantastic and that's it was something that i appreciate and all the fans of the show uh you know always like my stuff when i put it out they always retweet they always ask me questions about this or that and it's just it's such a nice thing it's really something that i very much appreciate so to your audience and to you thank you
0: no worries well thank you so much for your time geo and I know you can't tend to in the world of film talk about what you've got coming up in the future. But what does the future, and uh, is there anything you can tell us what the future holds for you, or is it kind of riding the wave of Willy's Wonderland at the moment?
1: No, I've got a bunch of stuff. I I want to I want to ride the wave of uh, Willy's Wonderland right to the beach and then build a <laughs> surf shop. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, um, I, so we got some fun stuff coming up: uh, a treasure hunt and the hor, and a haunted house. I got a. Um, a really cool novel uh, it's, uh, called subway dwellers versus barnyard oddities, which is just about the craziest thing you've ever heard of. But people thought Willie's wonderland was crazy when I wrote that. So <laughs> there's going to be um, more movies, more books. I'm going to try as hard as I can to take this, uh, to, um, uh, to keep creating fun stories and just doing what I want to do with my life. So there'll be more. Believe and, me, there'll be more.
0: Amazing. And yeah, one last thing, like, uh, do you know if this this amazing soundtrack will be uh, will be getting uh, uh, a, a release of of some sort, whether it's uh, Spotify or a physical release somewhere down the line? Because uh, is it Emoe? Uh, I think yeah, that, yeah. His 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 kind of original, and obviously the song you wrote for it, the kind of like perfectly creepy uh, yet like yeah, like off key, like Willy's Wonderland theme that the lyrics you wrote and stuff like that. Well, sort of sort of like, like
1: what, what what I said about an artist improving what you've done. Yeah. You 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 know, I wrote that as just a rhymey song and then he took it and made it something special. So it's something incredible. So hopefully and I've said this kind of like before, it's like, we we're kind of caught off guard by all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and with the uh, pandemic happening, we had to put all the energy into making the movie and getting it done. And there's all this kind of other fun stuff, the merchandise, the the music, and just the plushies, the toys, the steel box. I get all your your texts or your Twitter guys. I know what's going on. I'm trying. <laughs> but first is like, you have to just get the movie out. And then yeah. hopefully that is a lot of work. And I know they're working very hard to, to do it. And I know people want t-shirts in the uk i know i'm trying working on it promise
0: amazing well again thank you so much for your time geo and uh, yeah coming and raging with cage with me all right happy <laughs> too goodbye and there we have it guys thank you very much once again to geo parsons for coming and chatting about willy's wonderland with me Now that it's out, I can finally talk about it. I saw this film about three weeks ago and I absolutely loved it. I thought it's a film that exactly knows what it is and doesn't pretend to be anything else. I really hope you guys are going to watch it or if you have watched it, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find me on All the social media platforms at Caged In Pod. So that's Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Or if you want to send me an email, it's cagedinpod at gmail.com. If you have seen this film and really want to hear me go into full spoilers, you can do that next week for what will be the final episode of Caged In. Until he releases a new film in the UK, and knowing Nicolas Cage, that won't be very long. I know that the Crude, um, A New Age, is supposed to get a release sometime soon in the UK, so that will be bonus episode at some point. However, I will be moving on to looking at the extended Coppola family. In a kind of new season, part two of Caged In Coppola Connections, which will be starting in April. An exact date will be announced very soon to join me for next week's chat about willy's wonderland in all its spoilerific detail is battle royale with cheese writer and editor matt conway i recorded this conversation just a couple of days ago and it was fantastic you're going to love it it's uh, yeah we talk all things nicholas cage as we always do on this and it's a nice one to end out this long old journey i've been on if you enjoyed this or any other episode of the podcast please do be sure to rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform five stars is always fantastic and yeah let me know which is your favorite nicholas cage film in your review so guys as always i've been Pitch parts of this I've been caged in. You've been amazing. Bye bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, caged in a connections, a Drip Town Maine, main, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you.